You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Good ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. My name, of course, is Randall Beatley. And let's dig into it. It's our NXT review heading into Vengeance Day. Um, and it's the go-home show. And just, you know, we're going to do the review, but... Just sort of starting this off, um, I'll give this go home show a like a seven out of ten uh, in terms of like how to, how to rate it. I don't think it was the best setup to get you to Vengeance Day, but it wasn't the worst. Um, I'll say this. I wish, and this is my big thing, I wish WWE would spend more time with the stories they're developing. My problem, and, and, and NXT, it's still, it was still a very good show. My problem with NXT, at least with this episode, is with your go-home show, right? This is your go-home show to your big event. I just have a, a small problem with the fact that almost half of the show had nothing to do with Vengeance Day. We had uh, there's two matches that I felt could have been cut out of this show. That's the Charlie Dempsey versus um, Gulak match, and then the um. um Shit, the match that literally happened right after... Oh, Tyler Bate and Axiom. Those two matches, um, to me, just felt like they were put in to appeal to the IWC. I'm not saying they were bad matches. Tyler Bate is probably one of the best in-ring performers alive. Um, I'm not going to hate on him. But I just think when you're heading into a a go-home show to, to display so much, or when you're in a, a go-home show going into a premiere live event, um, and your, your, your go-home show was primarily matches that have nothing to do with the event you're going into on Saturday, I just have a big problem um, with... That, right? We, I don't, actually, I don't think we ever saw Braun or Grayson on the show today, now that I'm thinking about it. I, I don't, I just feel like there could have been more promo work, some more gimmick work. You could have 
stretched out some of these segments um, a little bit further um, to to present it, um, a a a bigger feel to some of these matches that I think they've done a pretty decent job building up, um, but some of them, like for me, this. Um, there are some of the matches that just feel a little bit forgotten about. Um, I still think it's going to be a good card. Like, I'm not complaining about it. I just feel and I just wish that we would have spent more time telling the final piece of the story right before Vengeance Day um, instead of these these very short, like, vignette promos for them. Um, but with that being said, as sort of an overview, we're, we'll go ahead and jump into, um, the results for NXT. We'll break down the show itself. Um, so we start the show with, um, a match that has been in the making. Um, it's, uh. Indashir versus um, the Creed Brothers. Now, I'll say this. Um, the the Creed Brothers have grown on me. When they first started, I was like, eh, I don't necessarily like them. They look very organic. Or not organic, but they look very generic. Um, but as they've continued to work, I've really grown to like the Creed Brothers um, and, and Ivy Nile as well. Um... And expect, and, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but especially now that Roddy, Roddy Strong is out of it. Because to me, this always just felt like a... We're going to try to recreate... Um, Undisputed Era, but we're going to, to do like a different style of gimmick. And, and with Roddy gone, it's really given... You know, and then the Damon Kemp turn. This is really given the creeds themselves a a way to grow and to get better. And I, I, I think they're there. I think they are a legitimate force for a the tag team division in a um in a stacked tag team division if we really look at it. Like once the belts get off the Usos in the in the on the main roster, if you look at the the tag teams that we have going down the main roster, even onto NXT, you'll have the Usos, you'll have uh, Viking Raiders, which are a very dominant tag team if booked correctly. Um, you'll have New Day, you have um, Hit Row, which is a very again, if booked in a in a strong way, they could be a legitimate tag team. Um, you have Briggs and Jensen, and and and. Uh, uh, the dyad, or um, the dyad, which is part of Schism, uh, you'll have um, pretty deadly. Um, I'm trying to think of more uh, street profits. So many tag team. You you have a deep tag team roster that if a a strong focus is putting on good storylines and good matches, I mean you could have a very. I mean end of year for like end of year is a very good team. And and uh, Senga and Veer Mahan are very good at working together, at being the heels. I thought this opening match was fantastic. Um, you had the heels 
You had Indus Year just dominating at the start. You had uh, the Creed brothers sort of fight back, and then you get the interference where um, uh, um, Senga then whips uh, Julius into Ivy Nile, who's standing on the apron, and knocks her down. And then that sort of causes a distraction to give Indus Year the win. That's perfect heel work, right? That's that's perfect storytelling. It continues the 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 story, and I think it leads to a, a, a deeper feud, which ultimately I think the Creed brothers will will capitalize and win, um, potentially you know at a match at Stand and Deliver um, in April. Um, but we then move on. You have the. Tyler Bate and Axiom sort of setting up this match that they're going to have later in the night. Um, um, and basically, their they're sort of like promo is like, uh, we're going to do this for the sake of friendly competition. And let me be honest with you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, Booker T made a lot of sense on commentary during this actual match of Tyler Bate and Axiom. Like... Th- there is no friendly competition. Like, if you want to be serious in in the business, there is no friendly competition, right? I'm fighting for your spot. You're fighting for my spot. We're, I'll have a match with you, sure. But this isn't friendly competition. I'm going to come kick your ass because I want to try to, 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 to be in front of you, right? And, and I think that, that the idea of... Maybe it is a heel ideology, but the idea of doing things to for myself, for the betterment of me, the sort of uh, selfish mentality that people would call selfish, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I think it's actually more of, more of a virtue to care about the betterment of yourself. I think that's actually a more natural uh, thing than being altruistic and and caring about the good of the group and and just putting on a match to put on a match um it, 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 right anyway Indy Hartwell then gets a video explaining the match between her and Zoe Zarg that we're about to see um that sets up you know that basically like NXT and WWE as a whole has been doing this like that this morning, record it this morning or something, right? Um, or digital exclusives, record it this morning, right? Um, and and so anyway, we get the uh, a decent match between Andy Hartwell and Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark ends up winning. I think at some point, uh, Andy Hartwell will be moved up. I don't know when. Uh, maybe it's her call. She doesn't want to move up. I don't know. Maybe they'd realize, hey, there's really no room for you on the main roster. Um, but anyway, so after the match, Zoe Stark starts, you know, beating up on Indy again. Sol Ruka comes out to make a save. I think this is leading to a Zoe Stark-Sol Ruka match, maybe a feud. That's going to be great. What I love is that WWE recognized that they had a star in Sol Ruka, that the crowd is 100% behind Sol Ruka. 
because Sol Ruka was in the same, if I remember correctly, was in the same signing class as another competitor we had on the show today, Danny Palmer. And we've seen Sol Ruka a little bit more um, pushed than Dan. Danny's still good in the ring. Um, we'll talk about her when we when we get to her match. Um, but Sol Ruka, you know, she, ever since he's really debuted, and and I've been trying to remind myself on Fridays that level up is a thing. Um, that I that me as a fan of NXT, I really want to start watching level up um, to to get into. Um, that that uh, more of the NXT world, um, and so with that, um, yeah, I'm happy with how they're using Sol Ruka. I'm hoping that within the within the next 365 days, by you know the end of January next year, Sol Ruka's in the title picture. I think um, it's hard for me to make that. Um, Hard for me to say whether or not she will be because I don't necessarily know if what the plan is. If if Roxanne's going to get a long run, maybe not. But part of me believes that Roxanne will either lose the belt at Vengeance Day or she's losing it at Stand and Deliver and being called up. Um, I, 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 this is just me being honest. I see that WWE will more than likely use Roxanne Perez as a type of Sasha Banks-esque character. She has sort of the same... She doesn't have the same build. Sasha was a lot thinner um, and more... I'll be honest, she was built like a stick. Um, that's not a bad thing, right? But she just... She was she was thinner and a little bit, like, longer um, than... Like, Roxanne's, like, thick at the hips, right? Um, and, and, again, that's not wrong nothing's wrong with that but like Roxanne's the younger smaller um competitor that they could use in that baby face um that that small like underdog role um that I I can definitely see after post uh Wrestlemania week and post stand and deliver Roxanne being on the main roster um and and essentially being in that Liv Morgan Sasha Banks role I, de- I like I'll be honest I think WWE wanted to use Sasha Banks as that underdog character and she just wasn't buying it she she wanted to be the heel she wanted to be the bad person the, the bad guy um in in all the feuds and I think and and I think WWE Vince McMahon wanted to use her as the sort of underdog who has to go up against all the odds and and I don't think Sasha wanted to play that role um but but I think I think Rock, or excuse me, not Raquel. Uh, I think Roxanne embodies that personality and that character, um, and so I think they're going to put her in that role. With by the end of WrestleMania weekend, I think she'll be on the main roster. Um, anyway, we we continue through. We get a uh, some vignettes of the schism uh, about the talking about the qualifier that will be the main event. Wesley. Um, we see Wesley backstage and then we go to commercial. This was a sort of a limited commercial thing. So, um, you know, they come back from commercial. Apollo Cruz cuts a, a promo about his match in Charlotte. Wesley then comes on and goes on a, a promo, but basically about how he's going to beat Dijak at Vengeance Day. Um, 
and then DiJack comes out, um, basically saying he's going to dominate Wesley. That he gave Wesley all the chances to just give him the title, but because Wesley refused to, he's gonna he's gonna serve justice. Now I'll be honest, I think DiJack has a cool look. I think he's very good in the role he's playing. I don't understand what his gimmick is though. Like, is he like bounty hunter? Like, is that what his type of character is? He's like the bad guy, like bounty hunter, or like, is he trying to play like a bounty hunter where he's just he's finding injustices and he's trying to set them straight? Or like, like what is the gimmick? I, um, I'm not exactly certain with that there. Um. Anyway, Von Wagner shows up. Wesley sort of creates this match where Wesley and or not excuse me, where Von Wagner and DiJack have a match. Um, it's okay. It's an okay match. It's one of those matches where I don't necessarily think we needed the match. To be honest with you, uh, DiJack wins, gives him some momentum heading into the weekend but ultimately and we're actually going to make predictions for vengeance day at the very end of this um we get a backstage segment with Stax lorenzo and tony d um i'll be honest with you i'm a little upset tony d doesn't have a match um at vengeance day um and we then go from that vignette to um, commentary giving an update on Nikita, and then they do sort of this footage of the attack where Mackenzie Mitchell's going through like an analyzing of the uh, analyzation of the footage where they break down everyone who's seen and who could be the suspect. and And I love this. You know why I love this? Um, because it it gives Nikita Lyons a story when she comes back. Right, the fact that when they're being taken off of TV, she's legitimately hurt, but we want to give you an angle to leave TV and that for the next six to eight months, however long it's going to take for her. Um, and really with the ACL, as someone who has torn his ACL before, now I'm definitely not athletic in any way, shape or form. Nikita is in a lot better shape than I have ever been in. Um, but I mean, it was um i was 6 weeks no weight bearing and then i would imagine with the getting back into ring shape i mean you're looking at 6 6 months or so maybe 8 months of of rehab and so we'll probably see her you know summer Sometime late summer, early fall, um, which will be perfect. I, I could imagine a Halloween Havoc re-debut, uh, a return for Nikita Lyons. And we, we go into some story of who actually attacked her. Um, and so that will that'll be cool. We go, we go to commercial, we come back, and there's a video package for the, for the match for Breaker and Waller. And then we get into the two matches that I don't think we needed. I think we could have had an actual segment of Grayson Waller. Like this like this was a perfect time to have an episode of the Grayson Waller effect. Right? And 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 set 
have have Grayson Waller have an actual part of the show rather than just a vignette. Um, but we have Axiom and Tyler Bate in a match, which was okay. But like I've said before, I, I don't necessarily care about having, you know, pay-per-view style matches. I know the casual, or excuse me, the hardcore fans, the IWC, they eat this shit up like, like it's fucking nutrition for them. But I don't necessarily care to see a premier live event pay-per-view-esque match on live TV. To me, this is a... You should have done a lot more story building than you did, you know, all the matches. I mean, it was a good match. Let's not go from there. But it was was a good match. Tyler Bate eventually wins. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast of this episode, Tyler Bate is a fucking fantastic wrestler. He's fantastic. I just don't know if he can tell me a story, right? And and a lot of hardcore fans will be like, "Well, he tells a story in the ring at the matches, the story." No, 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 but that's not that, that's the point. That's not a story. Right? You could tell a story in the ma- a lot of people when they say, "Oh, I want storytelling in the hardcore fan fandom," right? Is when they say that the the match is the story, what they're meaning is that you know, maybe, maybe we, you know, we have uh, one of the competitors is hurt, and so the story is I'm gonna beat down that injured limb. That's not a story, right? That's just good strategy, right? But that's not a good story. Um, a story is like what we're getting with the bloodline. Like, why are we fighting? Like, and again, fighting for good, friendly competition. Come on. You couldn't be more creative than that. Because there's no way in hell, if this was a real event, right? If this was a real sport, no one takes a match. No one takes a fight for good, friendly competition. I take a fight to beat your ass and to jump you in the rankings so that I can get a title spot. Because in the end of the day, the idea of being champion equal right equals more more matches and more exposure and more more theoretically more pay right um in real sport like in in UFC if you're a champion you get paid more because you're in the bigger matches right um and ultimately if you're a good champion you get the better sponsorships you get the better deals you get the better better contracts and so you do end up eventually making more money and that's the idea of of this right and so there's no such thing as good friendly competition. I want because because I'm not your friend in the ring. I'm not your friend, right? So I, I want to beat your ass, like. So I don't understand why we had this match. To be honest, if if the story was just good friendly competition, that's eh, kind of dumb. Um, Isla Dawn does a video package with Alba Fire, some ceremony to initiate her in. Like I said. These two were bound to be tag team partners. Um, from the from the time of the attack, I knew this was probably going to be what happens. Um, we come back from commercial break and we get a Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams interview. Uh, Trick basically is scared of earlier at Apollo Crude's vignette. He does like his little day, uh, I see vision gimmick that he's doing and. Apollo says his vision has Trick Williams getting attacked. So Trick Williams said, I don't know if I want to show up, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, I just... Uh, Carmelo then tells him that there's nothing to be scared of, that we're going to win, basically, right? We then go to a quote-unquote satellite interview featuring Roxanne, Gigi, and JC. Perez talks about being in the Royal Rumble. JC Jane then interrupts and mocks her, talk about you're a loser, you're not going to WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. Um, and eventually, you know... Roxanne walks off the set, upset, and eventually ends it with an attack on Toxic Attraction. Standard, standard stuff. We then get the debut of Stevie Turner. She faces Danny Palmer. Um, I wish we had the good old-fashioned squat. Now, Stevie Turner is not someone that I could see squashing someone, So, but, but someone, for example, like someone like a Bronson Reed. Right, if we can go back to Monday Night Raw, because my Monday Night Raw review was quite, quite short, and because for the most part that the, the show was boring, like I said, but and, and wasn't worth reviewing at depth. But Bronson Reed should be facing uh, enhancement talent, destroying them in thirty seconds, and then leaving. There's nothing wrong with a good good squash match, and but at, on the same. Spectrum, when you have someone like Stevie Turner, who's not very big, not very, you know, strong, and I don't necessarily know where she's going in the division, to have a match with Danny Palmer, I don't know if this is Danny Palmer's first TV match on NXT, I don't actually know that, um, but it was a decent match, Stevie Turner, of course, was going to win, um, but Danny Palmer looked good, I'll just say one thing as a level of critique, I respect Danny Palmer, I, I, there's two things with her that I don't know. Kind of I don't like. I think she's going to be great. She's very athletic. The gear, the like leopard print or cheetah print, I'm not a big fan of. I'll be honest. And then when she's running the ropes, it looks like she's new, right? You can see sort of the and and this isn't bad. This is what NXT is for to get you experience. Um. And, I, and, I, and as someone who's never run the ropes before, I could just be looking at it wrong. But it just looks like she's, you know, she's in practice and she's trying to practice running the rope. Maybe it's just because of her size. I don't know. But it just looks weird how she runs the ropes compared to everyone else who has been there a little bit longer. Um, not a big deal. It's something that with experience you'll pick up on. Um, but I think Danny Palmer did a very good job. She put up some offense. I think Stevie Turner did a very good job. I, here's my thing with Stevie Turner. I don't think the gimmick's going to get over. I really don't. Um, I don't think the gimmick will get over, um, with the audience as well as I think it, that, but I could be wrong. It could either get very over or it's just not going to get over at all. We then get a backstage segment with Kiana James talking to someone named Zach, whom she says, I love you, Zach. I'll see you soon. Fallon Henley rolls up and basically accuses her of breaking breaking up with Brooks Jensen, going to break, break his heart type thing. Caden Carter and Katana Chance roll up, basically say, we're going to beat you. No one's going to take our titles from us. Blah blah blah. You know your basic promo that we've that we've seen, right? Then we get another match. We should. I don't think we should have had this match. I. 
I don't know why this could not have been. This could have probably been a better place to have, um, like an episode of the the Grayson Waller effect, just for Grayson Waller to have one more chance to sort of showboat and, and say what he wants to say. You have Charlie Dempsey versus Drew Gulak, and again, the two matches I'm critiquing are the ones with the style that I personally don't care for. Um, the sort of slower, like technical wrestling. Um, I'm just not a big fan of it. I just want to see people punch each other, beat beat the shit out of each other. Tell me a good story. I'm not. I don't care if you can legitimately wrestle and take people to the mat and and choke people. Up. I'm not a big submission fan, to be honest. I think submissions are fucking boring. If and again, if I wanted to watch like submission wrestling, I would watch college wrestling on TV. I would go and watch. If I wanted to see someone lose to an arm bar, I would watch the UFC, right? Um, or watch um, MMA or martial arts in some way. I want to see, like, fun moves. When I say fun, I don't mean, like, flipping and kicking and all that shit. I, I want to see, like, a good fight, a good slugfest, and, like... Your finisher shouldn't be like a fucking arm bar or a chicken wing. Um, your fin I, I like finishers that are, and that's my that might be something later that we do if, uh, on like a Wednesday show or something where I I rank. You now maybe Wednesdays will be used to do like a a ranking of different groups or whatever, right? But anyway, Drew Gulak wins this with a, a schoolboy pin. And it is what it is. It was a decent match. Um, we get another Von Mil- uh, Von Wagner segment with Robert Stone in the locker room. I don't know if it's going to be a turn or, or what's going to happen, but and we'll see. We then get the main event, Chase U, Anafe and Blade in the Dyad for a qualifying match. Solid match all around. Ultimately, Chase U picks up the win. Which I kind of figured, the more and more that I thought about this, that it makes sense that Chase U won. And here's why it makes sense. Now, I live in North Carolina, so I was easy to, to I was able to piece this together pretty easily. Andre Chase is from either North or South Carolina, but he wrestled in the Charlotte region for a long time under the name Harlem Bravado. This is just a way for him to, to go to Charlotte and, and wrestle in front of a fan base he's probably wrestled in front of numerous times. I'm super pumped for it. I love Chase U. I've loved it forever since it debuted. I have no issue with it. Um, and it's it's more than likely Chase U isn't going to win, but it's just going to be fun to see them, especially since I'm going to be there live in person. Um, with that being said, that's sort of the review of the episode. We're going to do our... Um, Vengeance Day, excuse me, damn, fucking, thought my, my phone was off, didn't realize TikTok was the first app, pulling up the matches here, <laughs> speaking of TikTok while we're doing that, uh, go follow me on TikTok at We2Deep, <laughs> for a good way to promo, right, W-E-T-O-O-D-E-P-413, again, that's We2Deep413, let's go through this card, so we'll start with... Wesley versus Dijak 
for the United States, or not United States, essentially the United States, the North American Championship, I think Wesley retains. Um, and Von Wagner may be involved in some way, shape, or form. Who knows? But I think it will definitely be uh, Wesley. We're going to come to the now the two out of three falls match. I think Carmelo Hayes wins this, and I hope he sweeps it. I hate when we go into matches like this where it's a two out of three falls and everyone sort of assumes that it's going to go three falls. I hope that it's two falls is all we need. Because theoretically, all you would need is Carmelo Hayes to win the first two falls. And the match is over because it's the first person to two. So I hope we I hope we don't get one of those matches where like we have a we have you know it one and one and who's going to get the next fall. I think that's how they're going to book it. But I hope this thing is a sweep. Carmelo Hayes either way is going to win. We will then move forward to um, the women's tag team championship match between Katana Chance and Caden uh, Carter, which I would just, I, I want them to give them a name. Tag team should have a name. I'm tired of seeing tag teams, right, without a name. Tag team should have a name. If you're going to be a team, you should have a, a name, right, versus... Fallon Henley and uh, Kiana James, which again, have only been tagged for a few weeks. This could go either way. My official prediction is Fallon and Kiana are going to win. Um, that's going to be my official prediction. I'm going a little bit on what I want to happen there. Um, but again, I could see that going either way. Wouldn't make a difference to me. Fatal four-way tag team championship match between Gallus, The New Day, Pretty Deadly, and Chase U, um, I think Pretty Deadly is going to win. Um, if it's not Pretty Deadly, it's going to be Gallus. I think I think Chase U is in the match to take the pin. Um, but I could also see Chase U winning. I could That could be a thing that I see WWE or NXT pulling the trigger on is giving Andre Chase that title, even if it's for like a two- or three-week run. Um, but my official prediction will be Pretty Deadly. Which leaves me to the two championship matches. The women's and the men's. We'll start with the women's first. Roxanne Perez, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane in a triple threat match. Which means no no disqualifications. Um, My official prediction would have been Chelsea Green gets involved. Um, But with Chelsea Green showing up on Raw... Not quite certain how that... It could still theoretically happen. She could maybe go down, try to help Toxic Attraction, re- recruit recruit them maybe, you know, after they lose or something, and then she recruits them to go to Raw, um, and and that could happen. We could still get that. I don't know. Um, but I ultimately, I think Roxanne retains. I think either Toxic Attraction gets a new leader or they split. I think that could happen. Or nothing happens with them and they go off to the main roster and challenge in the tag division up there. Who knows? Um, but ultimately, Roxanne Perez, I don't think they're quite done with her yet. Like I said, I think she loses at stand in the liver um, and then goes to the main roster there. Um, but yeah, Roxanne's winning. And then in the main event... The steel cage match, Braun Breaker 
versus Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller's winning, my dudes. Braun Breaker will be on the main roster. Definitely by Mania, but I, I think this is the perfect time to pull the trigger on it. Um, And... Though, I'll be honest, a lot of my assumption was that Braun Breaker was going to be in the Rumble and, and have a feud set up for him. Um, but with that not happening, he could win. I wouldn't care either way. I, I like both of them. Uh, but I'm going to go with my official prediction being Grayson Waller as your new NXT champion. Um, yeah, so which with that said, that's our NXT review and... Vengeance Day predictions. Um, let me know what you guys think. Again, you can get follow me on Twitter and on TikTok at We2Deep413. That's W-E-T-O-O-D-E-P. We2Deep413. Uh, thank you for, for listening, and I will see you guys on tomorrow's episode um, where we... It's it's Wrestle News Wednesday. We'll break down some news. That'll be posted at some point, probably midday, since I have free time on Wednesdays. Um, but yeah, we'll see you on Wednesday's episode.